How did Moses get through the 40 years of watching sheep, the mockery of Pharaoh, the Red Sea situation, the golden calf thing, the Korah thing, and and the Miriam and Aaron thing, and the backbiting thing? How did Moses get through that? Did he take pep pills or see the psychologist or do any of that stuff? No, he didn't. What he did, every person in this room qualifies to do. We all have access to the same wherewithal that I'm talking about here. Moses finished his course because he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You and I can resist the trials. We can endure the trials. It doesn't matter what the obstacle is. It doesn't matter what the burden is. If we can see him who is invisible, we can endure. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews and the 11th chapter. Hebrews chapter 11. That ought to ring a bell with many of you as the Hall of Faith, as we call it in the Bible. We're going to be looking at something very special in this chapter that's kind of a continuation of what I talked about last week and how to deal with stress. I'm going to be talking today about enduring by faith, enduring by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, we pick it up in verse number 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt." Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Notice that word endured. He endured. We're going to be talking about how to endure by faith. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we thank you now for this example placed in the Bible for us to learn from and be strengthened by and encouraged through. We pray that you'd help us to get just down this one principle, this one point that would enable us to endure by faith in these last days. We pray and ask for your help. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I uh, love true stories that are almost unbelievable. And I think one such story, historically it's true, was the story of Ernest Shackleton in his trip to the Antarctic back in, well, about the time of World War I. He sailed on a ship You know the name of it? Endurance. Endurance. Endurance, the ship, was actually not built for Shackleton. It was built in Norway by a shipbuilder who hired the most skillful craftsman possible and insisted that everyone be a a veteran sailor so that he would really understand how to build ships. And it was built for a fellow who actually was going to use it as a uh, a profitable uh, adventure in taking people to the Arctic Circle 
to, to go polar bear hunting and places like that. But uh, one partner ran out on the other, and this man had to sell it at about 11,000 pounds below cost to Shackleton for his expedition. He said he was glad to do so for the furtherance of science. And, and Shackleton took the ship and sailed it with his crew from there to, to uh, Argentina, Buenos Aires. And from there, he sailed to South Georgia. It was kind of his last stop, a whaling station. And from there, he had, uh, headed out into the blue to, uh, to try and get to the, the Arctic Circle. But the ice enshrouded him, and the ship endurance was lost as it was crushed by the ice. Quite a story of, of survival of how those men actually made it back to civilization. Absolutely incredible. All took place back around World War I. Endurance was a fitting name for the ship. And endurance is something that we as Christian people are going to need in these last days, or we're going to be crushed by all the things that are closing in around us as sin abounds. We find here in our passage, it says something that's very important. It's talking about Moses as the example and his, his life of faith from the time he was born and how he was hid by faith for three months by his parents in verse 23 because they weren't afraid of Pharaoh's commandment. And then as he grew up in verse 24, by faith, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith in verse 25, he chose rather to suffer affliction with his Jewish brethren rather to enjoy all the wine, women, and song of the palace there in Egypt. And then in verse 26, it says, He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt. Verse 27 says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now notice the last part of verse 27 again. He endured by seeing him who is invisible. If you were listening carefully, I didn't read that right. And I didn't read that right on purpose. I stuck the word by where the word as actually is. It doesn't say he endured by seeing him who is invisible, obviously speaking of God. Moses didn't keep on going because he was able to see God. That wouldn't encourage me at all because I'm not able to see God and you're not able to see God. The Bible tells us that no man has seen God. Jesus told us in John 4 that God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we don't endure because we can see God. We can't. And if you hear somebody who claims they saw God, they might have seen something. But you know, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4 to try the spirits or the miracles to see whether they are of God. Because there's a lot of stuff supernaturally and miraculously and it's going on, but it's not God. The devil is really duping some people. And if somebody says they have seen God, and there have been those down through the years who have seen God, I'm thinking of one uh, evangelist from Tulsa who claims he saw a 900 foot tall Jesus. I wonder why nobody else saw him. If your nine water tower is high, <laughs> you would think some other folks would see him. You know... You see these folks and hear these folks and they have these visions and you say if they just cut down on the pizza before they go to bed, maybe they could have in those visions, you know. You're not going to see God, friend. And we don't endure by seeing God. It says in verse 27 that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. That means as if, as if he was able to see him who is invisible. Now, you can't see somebody who is invisible, so it's kind of like an oxymoron. What are you talking about seeing the invisible? 
It doesn't say he saw the invisible, but he endured as if seeing him who is invisible. Now, the word seeing there, it's actually in the derivative tense, and I'm not a grammar scholar. I don't even want to be, okay? Uh, You guys who are taking that in the college, good for you. Keep it up, but I know all I need to know. But but it's in the derivative tense or, or the action or the original linear, meaning it should read like this. He endured as seeing and seeing and seeing and seeing him who is invisible. In, in other words, not just daily, but throughout the day. Continually seeing, in at least his mind, with eyes of faith, him who is invisible. In other words, he lived and he breathed as if God were in his presence all the time. What a novel thought. Because he is, right? He did it with eyes of faith. He endured and he endured and he endured as if seeing and seeing and seeing. Now, Moses never saw God. He saw, you know, representations of God. He saw burning bushes. He, he saw a, a cloudy pillar. He, he saw things that, you know, obviously God's here. But he never saw God. No man has seen God. We cannot see God. But Moses continued to endure because as if God were there... He kept going. And so when the people complained, he kept going. When uh, Pharaoh came after him at the Red Sea, he kept going. When Miriam and Aaron, his siblings, even turned on him, he kept going. Why? Because he endured as if seeing him who is invisible. In his mind, God was there. Now, we have not seen God, but, but how could you endure all that Moses went through, Korah and the uprising and all this stuff, unless you really believed that God was by your side all the time? Moses endured as if God were there, because he was. A number of years ago in Philadelphia, there was a little boy who bounded onto a, a bus after attending Sunday school with his little leaflet, and his face was glowing, and he was so happy about, about what he had learned in class that day. He sat next to a fellow who had a Bible. He was a, uh, a college, a Bible college professor, a believer as well, had been coming from another church in another direction. They just happened to sit on that bus together. And he said, little boy, you've been to Sunday school? And the kid said, yep. And thinking he'd have a little fun with him, he said, well, I've got an apple here. And he said, I'll give you this shiny apple if you can answer my question. Where is God? And thinking in his mind, you know, he'll say heaven, he'll give him the apple. He said, I'll give you this apple if you can tell me where God is. And the little boy looked at the man and he said, I'll give you a whole barrel of apples if you can tell me some place where God ain't. And that's true. (laughs) God's everywhere. And the boy had just learned that in the Sunday school class there. You know, when I stand to preach, it's good for me to remember there's, there's nowhere where God ain't, including the sanctuary of the Fargo Baptist Church right now. And he's as much on the front row or the second row or the back row or the balcony as you are right now. Because there's nowhere that God ain't. In all the years I've been saved, I've never seen God. Think about that. In fact, turn, if you would, to First Peter, just a few pages forward, chapter 1. I've never seen God, but I've served him as if he were real. Because in my mind, he's as real to me as you are. He's as real to, to me as my wife is. We find in 1 Peter 1, uh, this great verse, in verse number 8, it says, Whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full 
of glory. I have given my life to serve somebody I've never seen. I've never seen him physically with my eyes. Verse 8 says, Whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. There was a high school girl years ago, Christian girl, went to a church like this, had such a sweet spirit, even in the midst of a public high school, she stood out. And she wore this locket around her neck, and it was a class kind of a thing that everybody was always wondering whose picture's inside. You know, you always carry a, a picture of your lover inside. And, and, and so they kept chiding her to show them the picture, and she never would. And one day she was sleeping over at a friend's house, and she was in the, the bathroom getting ready for the night. Her friend just couldn't help herself. The locket was sitting on the bed there. And so she looked this way and that way, and she hit the little clasp, and the thing sprung open. And guess what was inside? Verse number 8. Just the the verse, whom having not seen, you love. And there, right there in that verse, was the secret of that young lady's beautiful countenance and spirit. In whom having not seen, you love. She loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Though, admittedly, she had never, ever seen him. I want you to look at a few verses. One's back in Job chapter 31. Job 31. Think about it. You have committed your life, if you are a born-again Christian, to somebody you have never seen, you have never heard, you have never touched. And yet, he's real. He's real. In Job 31, and in verse 4, it says, Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? How many steps did you take today? You don't know? Didn't you count them? You don't count your steps. I don't count my steps. It would probably shock us how many we actually take. But there is one who counts our steps. And we just read about him in verse 4. Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? You know what that tells me? He's there with you throughout the day through every step you take. There's nowhere you went today that he did not go with you. In fact, look in Jeremiah chapter 23. Let me show you another great verse here. Jeremiah 23, whom having not seen, you love. I am, by God's grace, trying to live with an awareness of God continually. That will change our lives. In Jeremiah 23, and in verse number 24, it says, Can any hide himself in secret places? God's talking. That I shall not see him, saith the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. Well, what is the answer? Can any hide himself in secret places where God can't see him? The answer is no. No. God fills heaven and earth, so God is everywhere. We should live consciously, continually, with the presence of mind that he is with us, because he is. Seeing him who is invisible. So what does that have to do with us enduring by faith? Well, several things here. And the first one is, if we can see him who is invisible, we will endure temptations. We will endure temptations. There are a lot of temptations in the 21st century. Folks, I believe we're living in the last days. In fact, I believe that stopwatch started when Jesus went back up into heaven. But in the midst of the last days, there's the end times or the last of the end times or the last of the last days. I think that's where we're living now. 
I think iniquity is abounding. I think the love of many is waxing cold. I think uh, there will not be a lot of faith left when Christ comes back again. I think there's so much compromise going on in, in the watering down of Bible Christianity and skewing it with the worldliness that makes it so hard to even detect from the world that it's pitiful. It really is pitiful. And who will be left standing when this thing is all over with here? There's a way for you and I to finish our course, to press toward a mark, and to to come in faithfully when the Lord comes back, and not be found ashamed at His coming, not be caught in places we shouldn't be, doing stuff we shouldn't be doing, viewing things we shouldn't be viewing. It would be to remember Him who is invisible. It will help us to overcome temptations if we would remember he's there all the time in the midst of this world that is continually propositioning us to do something that's wrong it reminds me of a preacher he was an evangelist and and uh, from a church like this he was traveling he was in a, a big city and he uh he had gotten done with his message that night in the service. He had gone back to his motel room. He was sitting there reading his Bible and he got hungry and decided to just walk down to the corner store there and get something to eat and walk back. On his way back to his motel, this scantily clad woman came from around the corner. It was a prostitute. And, and, and she said, um, hey, big boy, you by yourself tonight? And he looked at her and he said, no, I, uh, I'm not. I have somebody with me. <laughs> And she looked at him strange, like, is he around the corner? And he, oh, no, he's right here with me. My Savior, he said, is with me all the time. She kind of rolled her eyes and went, woo, you know, and walked on her way. But you know, it's the truth. You and I can avoid temptation if we remember there is somebody with us all the time. Somebody who has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And we can endure temptation and look it in the eye and overcome it if we remember there's one who is invisible with us. Look in Hebrews chapter 13, if you would. I just uh, quoted that verse, but there's, there's something attached to it here that I would like to point out. Because there's temptations all around us, we are going to have to endure by seeing Him who is invisible. In Hebrews 13, here's the verse, verse 5. It says, let your conversation, and that means more than your words, it means your way of life, your lifestyle. Let your life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He will never leave us. And so in the midst of temptation, there he is right by us. There are men all over this room right now that that you are going to be tempted by a billboard, by a magazine rack, by a, a woman at work inappropriately dressed, by something outside these four walls before we get together again for the next service. How can you guys endure how can you prevent uh, flirting? How can you event, uh, prevent looking that second glance? How can, you, how can you prevent all of that? Well, by seeing Him who is invisible. And you and I can overcome the temptations, the worldliness, by knowing He's there. And it'll help us to live our best if we know He's there. I'll never forget back when, uh, I think I was about 7th or 8th grade, my dad was extremely busy. He had nine kids and businesses that he was uh, trying to just uh, keep successful and keep a roof over our head and all that kind of thing. And, and so uh, when, when we had a 7th uh, or 8th grade football game as, as little guys, I, dad didn't make it to many of those. But if he really 
went the extra mile, he would come sometimes at the, the middle of the fourth quarter and at, at least, you know, try and show that he's, he's trying to show up for his son's game. I remember on the field looking out of the corner of my eye and seeing Dad standing there. And I always played my heart out. But boy, there's just something that you, you, you take it to the next level. You ratchet it up a little bit if your dad's there watching. Folks, our dad is watching. You know what I mean? We have one who is watching us all the time. He's, he's just as there as, as, as if you could see him. And by the way, the only thing that prevents us from being able to see him are these bodies of clay, these eyes of clay. There are miles of, I don't, get, I don't understand all the, the wiring in the eye and the, the nerves of the eye and all that kind of thing, but we, we just don't have the right kind of eyes to see God right now. One day we will put off this, this clay and we will be able to see him. But right now there is in this room all kinds of radio frequencies and signals and all kinds of microwaves and, 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 and there's, there's stuff being aired and, and there's words being said and there's pictures being transmitted, but you just don't have the, the antenna to take it in and the, and the receiver to receive it right now. But it's, it's in this room. And in the same way, these bodies are really keeping us from seeing the other side, if you will. How many of you grew up with the 3D glasses at the, the old-time movie theater? Some of you are dating yourself, but I don't know if one side was red and one side was blue, but, but it kind of made the, the objects appear three-dimensional. Well, right now, we're missing a dimension, and, and we're not seeing it, but when we get to heaven, we're going to feel a little bit sheepish because he was there all the time. We sing that song, and I love that song. He was there all the time, waiting patiently in line, and we just forgot it. Look in Hebrews chapter 4, if you would. Turn back a few pages. It will help us in temptation if we can see him who is invisible. Secondly, it will help us in prayer, in our prayer life, if we can see him who is invisible. In Hebrews 4 and in verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It mentions this throne of grace. Has anyone seen this throne? I haven't. You haven't. Yet we are commanded to see it with eyes of faith and even to boldly approach it that we might find help and grace in the time of need. We can see him who is invisible, and it will help us in our prayer life. Now, when we picture praying quite often, we picture God way up in heaven and a, a, a million miles away in outer space someplace, and, and uh, our, our prayer is being transmitted somehow way yonder out there, kind of like the opening of uh, my favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And it opens with uh, people praying for George Bailey. And, the, you know, the comets are going by and the stars are doing this. And a lot of prayers coming up here today. Yeah, some guy named Bailey. Oh, this is his night. And, 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 and these prayers are coming up to heaven. Well, it's not like that. God is omnipresent. We don't have to scream upward and try and get his attention. Oh, 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 you know. He's here. He dwells in us, Right? And when we get saved and you're spiritually brought back to life, born again as it's called, he takes residence within you. He's as close as the mention of his name. We sing that. It just takes a whisper. If we remember his omnipresence and we can see him who is invisible, 
It will change our prayer life. We don't have to scream out to him. He's there. In fact, look in, in Acts. I love this verse. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 reminds us of this truth. In uh, verse number 27, it says that they should seek the Lord. If happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. There are people out there and they're kind of groping in the dark and, and, and trying to find God. But this reminds us as Christian people, he's not far from every one of us. You can talk to him like I'm talking to you right now. He's that close. Many of us have heard of, of Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday, actually, preacher of 100 years ago or plus, um, he even brought his, uh, his evangelistic meeting right here to Fargo many years ago. They built, built a tabernacle downtown. And when Billy Sunday came to town and, and held meetings, I'm telling you, the bars closed down and the prostitutes were out of work. And I mean, people repented and lives were transformed. Billy Sunday um, was actually a former baseball player. I think it was in the days of the Chicago Black Stockings, as they were called back in those days. He was the fastest man to run the bases at the time he played baseball. He, he was a wicked man, though. He had grown up with the truth and, and knew the gospel. He had learned it at his mother's knee, but he forsook it, and he, he uh, took his talent, and he, he went out into the world and, and uh, really, really lived a wicked life. One day he came to the end of himself, and uh, if I remember the story, it took place on the, the streets of Chicago when he heard the band playing for the Pacific Garden Mission, and, and he, he said, fellas, I'm, I've had enough of this life. And they kind of mocked him as he walked toward the, the old lighthouse, and he got saved. And his life, his life changed after that. Of course, he aged in time and, and got too old to preach, but... Uh, in his latter years, um, even after he died, his wife outlived him for quite a while. They called her Ma Sunday. I know of a preacher. I've, I've met the preacher who actually was a liaison from my generation to Billy Sunday's generation. That preacher's with the Lord now too. But he said he was talking to Ma Sunday. Never lived to see Billy Sunday. But he was talking to Ma Sunday and, and, and he asked her, tell me about Billy. And so she was talking about this and that. And he said, well, tell me about his prayer life. And she said his prayer life was 24-7. If he was awake, he was, he was talking to God. In fact, we could be uh, sitting there and he would be talking to me and all of a sudden he wasn't making sense what he was saying to me. And she realized he had left off talking to me and was talking to God. And then he talked to God for a while and he talked to her and he talked to her and then he talked to God. And she said it got kind of hard to tell where it stopped and it started. But that was the, the prayer life of Billy Sunday. He just lived in the presence of God all the time. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, that's how Moses could cope with uh, uh, 40 years in the backside of the desert, all the problems that, that, that he faced because he was able to see him who is invisible. That helped him to overcome the temptation of wanting to quit. That will help us to overcome the temptations of what's on television, of what's at the mall, uh, of, of what's on the internet, of what's even in the paper or the magazines that we receive in the mail, if we remember there is one who's invisible and we will see him. Um, it will help our prayer life. Thirdly, it will help our Bible reading. Our Bible reading. If we read the Bible with God, if we uh, sit together, if you will, and say, Lord, show me something from your word today. 
Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And teach me from thy word. The Bible will come alive. You know, there was a, a preacher who preached in this pulpit years ago by the name of, of Mike Hayes. How many remember Dr. Richard M. Hayes? Oh, some of you. You'll never forget him. He's with the Lord now as well, but he too was a liaison to somebody that died before I got saved, John R. Rice. Anyone here ever, ever see John R. Rice or meet John R. Rice? I got saved in March. He died the previous December, I, just by a few months. But I guess he was one of those guys that uh, was continually talking to the Lord as well. Mike Hayes said that he was out with another preacher and John R. Rice. They went into a restaurant and they had ordered, in fact, they were ordering. And, and Brother Hayes was talking to the other preacher saying, what are you going to get? Well, I don't know. What are you going to get? Well, this looks good. What, you ever had that before? John Rice was sitting on the other side of the booth there and he was totally out of it. He was in la-la land. He wasn't even looking at the menu. And, and Brother Hayes looked over at him, and, and he was talking to God. And he was talking about something he had read in the Bible that morning. Psalm something. He goes, Lord, that's Psalm. What, is that? what does that mean? Da, da, da. wasn't showing off. That was just how he lived. Lord, show me something from your word. Teach me what that means. Ask the author of the Bible to explain it. You know, maybe you, you run up against a verse and you go, Wow. But imagine being able to have the author of it living inside of you and being able to, to get discernment, direction, and guidance from him about what it means. There was a Bible college professor, and whenever he got a group of new men in in the fall semester, he said, gentlemen, we're, we're studying bibliology and theology. And he said, we're not going to talk about God as though he's some abstract figure a, a million miles away. He is in this room we're not talking as if behind his back, he's in our presence all the time. And we're going to study his word as if he's here. And folks, if, if I preach with the same mindset, it doesn't matter if there's two people there, it doesn't matter if there are 200 people there or 2,000 people there, it's exciting because it's the word of God, because I am delivering it in his presence. You know, some of the first preaching engagements I ever had uh, were in a nursing home or nursing homes. And if there were half a dozen people there, four of them were sleeping and one was babbling and the other one was looking on, oh, you know, real discouraging, you know. <laughs> but if you can preach as though God is there, it'll change the way you preach. You'll never get into the pulpit apathetic and lethargic and just, no, oh, well, I couldn't imagine that. I will always try and do my best because God is here. And it doesn't matter if it's preaching or wherever you work, whatever you do, you will always do your best if you remember God is there. By the way, you'll listen your best if you remember God is here. The Bible speaks about behaving ourselves, knowing how we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God. If we come here as if God is here and we are seeing Him who is invisible, it will do something to the attentiveness to the Word of God. There will be a reverence, a respect that we ought to have to the Bible if we come to God's house that way. And we say, He's here. He's here. Well, the fo folks, the fact is, He is here. He's always here. And we ought to listen like it. How would you be listening right now if the head, the back of the head you were looking at was that of Jesus Christ? Think about it. Christ were sitting in front of you and you're going, oh, That's Him. He's here. Yeah, right there. Well, folks, He is here. 
You don't have to see the back of his head from where you're sitting. He's here. Let's listen like it. How can we avoid temptation? How can we pray as we ought? How can we read God's word as we should? By seeing him who is invisible. Finally, how do we endure a heartache? Because everybody has one. Somebody so well said, be nice to everybody because everybody's having it rough. And isn't that the truth? You're having it rough? We're all having a little bit rough. There's always something in our lives. How can we endure a heartache? Well, by seeing him who is invisible. Now we can sing, are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Well, we can. He's listening. He's here. If you're weary, if you're heavy hearted, forget the phone. You don't have to call Betty or Dolores or Tom or whoever it might be. Call him. Tell him. How can we endure the trials? How did Moses get through the the 40 years of watching sheep, the mockery of Pharaoh, the Red Sea situation, the golden calf thing, the the Korah thing, and, and, and the Miriam and Aaron thing, and the backbiting thing? How did Moses get through that? Did he take pills? Did he call the bummed hotline? Did he consult with a, a medium of some kind? Did he take pep pills or see the psychologist or do any of that stuff? No, he didn't. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. What he did, every person in this room qualifies to do. We all have access to the same wherewithal that I'm talking about here. Moses finished his course because he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You and I can resist the trials. We can endure the trials. It doesn't matter what the obstacle is. It doesn't matter what the burden is. If we can see him who is invisible, we can endure. I'm not saying it's not rough. I'm not saying it's not tough. It is all that. But we can do it the same way that Moses did it. Moses, by the way, I think was one of the three greatest believers who ever lived. And, and he endured. How? By seeing him who is invisible. Webster defines enduring as to continue unchanged, unswerving. It it, it doesn't rile you. You're strong. You're steadfast. You prevail. You can take it. Moses could take it. Moses didn't quit. Moses didn't turn back. It wasn't because he didn't suffer a heartache or a trial or have a burden or a sorrow. But from the ark that bulrush they bailed him out of until finally his last breath on the, the top of Mount Nebo, Moses endured. How? How did he endure? Well, it wasn't even occasional glimpses of God. It was by seeing and seeing and seeing and enduring and enduring and enduring because of this ongoing 24-7 walk that he had. It wasn't by seeing him who was invisible, but as seeing him who is invisible. Life is one big obstacle course, folks. Let me just say in closing, there are some folks in this room right now who aren't going to make it, spiritually speaking. I've seen it happen by the droves over the years. I've, I've been saved long enough to see it happen. If you are going to endure, you are going to have to remember the omnipresence of God And live as if you're in the presence of God continually, seeing Him as if seeing Him who is invisible. That's how we endure by faith. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. 
If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.